0: You are listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Bible Church of Paragool. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagool.com. Matthew chapter 18 is where we're going to be. If you have a Bible, go ahead and let me invite you to turn there. Matthew 18, as we continue in our series, The Rumors of God, uh, this is a series where we are learning together. How to see the rumors of God, the rumors of his grace, of his love, of his mercy, of his compassion, of his power To go from being rumors to reality in your life And today as we continue in our series, we will be in Matthew 18 We're going to start in verse 21 And we'll read all the way to the end of the chapter Matthew 18, verse 21 And Then Peter came up to Jesus and said Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? So the servant fell on his knees imploring him have patience with me and I will pay you everything And out of pity for him the master of the servant released him and forgave the debt But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and seizing him He began to choke him saying pay what you owe So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him have patience with me and I will pay you but he refused And he put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and they reported to their master what had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you of all of your debt because you pleaded with me. Should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him up to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. So also, Jesus says, my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for once again bringing us together in this place to be reminded of who you are and what you have done for us through the singing of songs and now through the preaching of your word. I pray that each person right now sits expecting to hear from you. I pray that, Holy Spirit, that you will move through this text, that you will help us to focus our minds and our hearts on you, and that you will drive this text and this message into our hearts and transform us more into the image of your Son, Jesus, so that we can experience the freedom that we were created to experience. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Hey, how many of you in here, let me see a show of hands, have heard of the show The Walking Dead? See a show of hands. Okay, pretty much every one of you. Uh, confession time How many of you watch The Walking Dead? Let me see your hands Wow, a big chunk of you Okay, you sickos Keep your hands up so we can pray for you um, uh, So Listen, The Walking Dead For those of you who have not seen that Bear with me for a second For those of you who have watched The Walking Dead Or you do watch The Walking Dead What comes to mind when you see this picture right here? Right? Hey? Um, for those of you By the way, who don't watch The Walking Dead, this is Negan. Possibly, I hear, one of the most hated men in cinematography history. Um, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but this guy did something apparently really terrible, if I'm not mistaken, to someone really loved on the show a couple weeks ago. And in an interview with this guy, the guy who played Negan, uh, he was interviewed by AMC before the show, and here's what he said. After people see this episode, fans of The Walking Dead are absolutely going to hate me. In fact, he says they are going to despise me And apparently he was right Because according to a company which analyzes the emotional content of social media messages More than 70% of reactions on Twitter and Facebook During the closing moments of this particular episode It was expressed that people had feelings of hate towards this character Okay, My neighbor actually decided to go as this guy for Halloween this year I think we have a picture of that There he is (laughs) Looks pretty good, doesn't it? He said that as he walked down the street trying to get his kids candy, literally people were booing him <laughs> and saying they hate him. He's like, it's just a character and all that. So like, people hate this guy, Negan. Now, again, Walking Dead fans, let me ask you a question. Let's pretend for a moment that you're a survivor and you're on the show. If Negan came up to you and said, hey, let's just let bygones be bygones, will you forgive me for what I did? How easy would it be for you to forgive this guy? The chances are, for those of you who have watched the show, and if you've not watched the show, you would probably be right in line with everybody else in here, when you see Negan, what your exact thought is, you know what, actually, no, I don't want to extend forgiveness. I want to extend revenge, right? I want you to suffer the way you made my friends suffer. And the reason for that is because, according to C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, everyone thinks forgiveness is, is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. We all like the idea of forgiveness. We don't just really like to extend forgiveness to others. I was thinking about that and in the last couple of weeks. Um, two weeks ago, I was in the Dollar General parking lot, and a lady backed into me, and she hit me. Alicia, you were there. It's partly your fault because you were waving at me. And so... Uh, this lady backed into me, and and she came out. And she was very gracious. She was like, "Hey, that's totally my fault. I'm sorry. I wasn't even looking. I was in a hurry." And it did $3,800 worth of damage to my car. Which, by the way, let me just clarify: if you saw me in a brand new Dodge Charger today, it's a rental. Okay? <laughs> you guys can all buy brand new cars, and no one questions it. A pastor drives around in a brand new car. They let people like question your character. So, <laughs> just so you know, it's not mine. It's a rental. Okay? Insurance is paying for it. So, anyways, um. Lady backs into my uh, car, and she's like, it's my fault. I said, hey, no problem. So we begin to exchange information. And while we're talking, I hear a woman say, that was Jared's fault. I looked up, and to my surprise, there was standing a girl that I would not seen in 14 years. A girl that 14 years ago, before my Jesus days, that I had offended, that I had upset, that I had sinned against. Had not seen her since that time. And I was like, oh, hey, I didn't know you were still living here. How are you doing? And without even saying anything back, she looks me in the eye and she says, that was his fault. And then she just walks away. She went to Dollar General. And I was like, oh. And so the lady that hit me was like, it wasn't your fault. It was totally my fault. Here's the information. And so, you know, we went our own ways. But listen, for the next few days, honestly, like it ate at me. It really did. And here's why. Because I realized, I thought, okay. Maybe she was kidding, <laughs> you know. Like Adam somebody was saying, I think she was just got a dark sense of humor, and I'm like, okay, maybe you're right. But in my mind, I'm like, I, I think she's holding a grudge against me. Um, I think that she's holding the sin I committed against her years ago against. Me and because of that I was even talking to adam this week and I was like man Should I send her a facebook message? Should I be like try to find her somehow and be like i'm so sorry What should I do? I mean, I was so urgent in trying to reconcile the relationship to get forgiveness from her But then all of a sudden I realized this week Why am I not near as urgent when it comes to extending forgiveness to others? Because as c.s. lewis says we all love the idea of being forgiven. We're just not really quick to wanting to forgive others This is important because the truth is, guys, every single one of us in here have been hurt, have we not? We've all been sinned against. We've all been wronged. For some of you, this is a spouse who cheated on you. For others, this is a boss who fired you. Unjustly for others. Maybe this is a friend who betrayed you or a parent who abused or neglected you And when that happens, I think the natural temptation is for us to embrace karma more than we embrace grace and say well You know what what goes around comes around buddy I hope you get what's coming to you or at the very least. What do we do? We just kind of cold shoulder the person We just kind of you know shun them while we sit back and secretly celebrate their failures And what Jesus says today, if that is where you are, if you choose to hold a grudge against people who have wronged you, if you choose to withhold forgiveness, Jesus is going to tell us in this passage, you will become a slave to the sin of bitterness, and you will as a result, miss out on the life and the freedom that God has created you to experience. If you look back with me in Matthew 18, in verses 34 and 35, it's really the hardest hitting part of this whole parable. Because if you pick up in verse 32, again, what has happened is a king has forgiven the servant for his debt against him. But then whenever the servant is released, he finds someone else who has a debt against him. But the servant does not forgive as he's been forgiven. So the master finds out about this. And in verse 32, it says, he says to the servant, you wicked servant, I forgave you of all of your debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not now have had mercy on your fellow servant as I've had mercy on you? And in anger, look what happens. Jesus says his master delivered him up to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. Which, by the way, is a debt he could not pay back in a hundred lifetimes. So he's in jail for the rest of his life. He's in jail for forever. Then Jesus looks at you and he says, So also, that's what my heavenly father is going to do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. It's a pretty extreme statement, Jesus. Uh, I mean, this is a heavy statement because do you understand what Jesus just said here? Literally, here's what he said. Listen very carefully. Jesus I don't know how to make it any more plain to you. People who hold on to bitterness are people who are going to spend an eternity in hell. That's what Jesus just said. Now, some of you hear that and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've read the Bible. The Bible says that we're saved by grace through faith. The Bible says we're not saved by our works. Jared, this seems like works. This seems like what Jesus is saying here is that we will not be forgiven unless we forgive someone else. Well, what it seems like Jesus is saying here is, is, Jared, if that's true, what you just said, and that's the way you interpret it, if that's the case, it seems like Jesus is not saying that we are saved by grace through faith, but that we are actually saved by works. Is that what's going on here? No. Jesus is not saying here that you forgiving others is more important than you having faith in God. Rather, what Jesus is saying here is you forgiving others is evidence that you do have faith in God. What Jesus is saying here is not, hey, if you do not forgive, you will not be forgiven. What he is saying is the reality that forgiven people forgive people. Think about it like this. If you see two trees, you're walking and you see one tree, they're the exact same tree, but one of them has tons of leaves and fruit on it. The other one has no leaves and no fruit. You're going to look and logically conclude one is alive, one is dead, and then what you're going to realize is the fruit on the tree does not make the tree alive. The fruit is evidence that tree is alive. That's what Jesus is getting at here. Forgiveness does not make you alive. Forgiveness reveals that you are spiritually alive. On the other side of that, if you do not forgive, what does it reveal? Jesus says that there's a good possibility though you may look good on the outside, on the inside, you are spiritually dead. And if you continue on this trajectory, if you continue to hang on to bitterness and grudge against that person who wronged you, one day, Jesus says, you're going to draw your last breath on earth and you're going to wake up in eternal punishment. For some of you here this morning, you hang on to bitterness. You're holding on to a grudge against the wrongdoer and And it feels good, doesn't it? Bitterness kind of feels good at times because you feel like, you know what? I'm keeping them on the hook. And if I can keep them on the hook, I win. You understand when you hold bitterness towards someone, you're not keeping them on the hook. You're keeping yourself on the hook. That's what happens whenever you continue to remain bitter towards other people. And in the end, if you do not let go of that anger, it will eventually destroy you. Frederick Buchner says this, of the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun. To lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll your tongue, uh, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontation still to come, to savor the last twosome morsel, both the pain you are given and the pain you are given back. In many ways, it's a feast fit for a king. The only problem is you're feasting on yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. You understand today why it's so important for us to get this forgiveness thing down? This is a crucial topic this morning, guys, because every single one of us have been wrong, we've been sinned, and it's going to happen again. And what Jesus says is, listen, what lies in your heart between you and someone else is a great sign of what lies between you and me. What Jesus just said, you want a good indicator of where you're going to spend eternity? Look at how you forgive. And that'll tell you if you truly taste forgiveness. So the question this morning is, how do we forgive? Since this is a crucial topic, this is a big deal, how do we forgive? That's a question we should all be asking right now. And how do we do it? What does it mean to forgive and how do we do it? Well, let me first tell you, before I can explain what it means to forgive, let me tell you what it doesn't mean. I think there are five myths surrounding this idea of forgiveness. And the first myth is this. It's the myth that forgiving means forgetting. That's just not true. Some of you have been hurt so deeply, there's no way you'll ever forget what's been done to you. Now, you don't have to be controlled by it, but you might not ever be able to forget it. That's a myth. Forgiving is not forgetting. Another myth is that forgiving is the same as reconciling. Some people believe the idea that forgiveness means you have to go right back to the way the relationship was before that person sinned against you. Guys, sometimes that's just not smart. If you're in an abusive, a physically abusive relationship, forgiving is not well, you need to go back and keep getting beat up by this person, right? Forgiving is not always the same as reconciling. Forgiving is another myth. Forgiving is the same as excusing. People believe, but if I forgive that person, it's like I'm just saying it's okay. They sinned against me. It's like me just sweeping, you know, the sin under the rug. No, 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 no. Listen, forgiveness doesn't mean that there's an absence of discipline or an absence of consequences. And we know that because when you read in Genesis 3, God forgives Adam and Eve. But there's still consequences for their actions, right? There's still a discipline there. So, So forgiving is not the same as excusing. Another myth out there is that forgiving depends on my feelings. I can't forgive unless I feel like forgiving, as we're going to talk about in just a moment, forgiving is a choice. You choose whether or not you want to forgive somebody. And forgiving is more tethered to your faith than it is to your feelings. Another myth, the final myth, I would say, is this idea that forgiving depends on the perpetrator admitting they wrong. I can't forgive. They never ask for forgiveness. Listen, if you forgiving others depends on them asking for forgiveness, you're going to hold on to bitterness a whole lot. Because there's a lot of people who's never gonna admit they're wrong for what they've done to you. Fortunately, you don't have to wait for how they respond to determine how you are going to respond. So if that's what forgiveness is not, what exactly is forgiveness? And fortunately, Jesus tells us in this parable. If you look again in verse twenty-seven, I actually get a run and start in verse twenty six says, So the servant fell on his knees, imploring his master, have patience on me, and I will pay you everything. And look look at the response of the master. Out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave the debt. The first thing you have to see is, listen, if you're going to forgive someone, you have to first pity someone. The word for pity here, you know what it means? It literally means to have compassion on them. It means to have a heart that goes out for them it means that you can actually put yourself in their place and identify somewhat with what they have done. This is what it means to have pity. It means to look and to say, you know what? I'm a sinner just like they're a sinner. And therefore I can see how though I might not have responded the exact way they did I can actually see apart from the grace of god how I could have done the exact same thing or close to it If I would have been in their situation If you can't do that, you're never going to be able to forgive somebody um, I don't know if, if you've ever seen these guys before but whenever I was in uh, I was probably a teenager I was in st. Louis with my family and there was one of these like street cartoonist guys where you sit down You pay them 10 bucks and they draw a picture of you like a cartoon version Anybody else ever seen that that guy or had your picture done? And the thing about these cartoonists, like, you know what they do is, like, they just exaggerate your features, okay? It's supposed to be kind of funny. Well, in this day, it wasn't real funny to me because when this guy drew a picture of me, like, I was for certain all he exaggerated was my negative features. So whenever I got the little cartoon back, I was like a stick figure with uh, big glasses and freckles and, and a goofy grin, and I was like, man, this looks nothing like me, and everybody else was like, that's awesome, man, like, it looks just like you, and I'm so like... <laughs> So what I did is I folded it up. And when I got home, I put it in my drawer and I never pulled it back out. You know why? Because I didn't want other people to view me the way the cartoonist did. I didn't want other people to exaggerate my negative qualities. Listen, do you know what happens whenever you hold bitterness against somebody? You become like that cartoonist. You forget all about the good stuff they've ever done for you or anybody else. And you just exaggerate this one thing that you have against them, this one negative thing, this one sin. And if you're not careful, you will actually begin to even define them by that sin. So, for example, if somebody gossips about you, and someone finds out you're mad about the person who gossiped, they come to you and say, Hey, why are you mad at this person? What do you say? You know why I'm mad? Because they're a backbiter. That's why I'm mad, they're a snake. Or if someone lies about you and, and, and someone's like, hey, why are you mad at them? What do you say? Because they're a liar. That's why I'm mad. They're a liar. That's just who they are. But when you do it, when you gossip about somebody else and you get busted, what do you say? It was really a prayer request, brother. You know? <laughs> I just I was real burdened for them, and I just wanted to share this so people could be praying, or I didn't know how to respond, so I just trying to get some help. Or if you lie about somebody and you get busted, what do you say? It's just It was just complicated, you know? Just complicated. I didn't really know how to say it. Why is it that when someone else lies, they're a big, fat liar, but when you lie, it's, ah, it's complicated. Why is that? Because whenever you hang on to bitterness... When you hold a grudge, when you fail to put yourself in the place of someone else, you fail to pity them, what happens is you do not have sympathy on them. You sit back and you say, you know what? I would never do anything so stupid. I would never be so mean. I would never be so dumb. And therefore, what happens is you just begin to hold bitterness against them because I'm so much better than they are. The first step to forgiveness is being able to sympathize. Miroslav Volf, who is a professor of theology at Yale, says this. Forgiveness flounders because I exclude the enemy from the community of humans, even, listen to this, even as I exclude myself from the community of sinners. Ouch. Why do we hang on to bitterness? Because we totally cannot relate with sinners. We remove ourselves so you want to learn to forgive somebody, the first thing we see in here is you have to start with pitying them. You have to have compassion. You need to realize that apart from the grace of God, because you are a sinner like them, if you would have grown up like them, if you would have been up in a situation like them, that you could have done exactly what they have done. That's the first step. The second thing we see is if we're going to forgive is we need to learn to cancel the debt of the person who sinned against us. If you look again at verse 27, it says, Out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him. Then what? He forgave the debt. Now let me ask you this question. What happened to the debt? So the servant accrued a major debt against the king. The king sends like the servant's master to go and get it, but the servant doesn't have to pay it. So what happened to the debt? Let me tell you what happened. The king absorbed the debt. The king absorbed the debt. Now listen very carefully. I'm assuming what I'm about to say here. Is countercultural To what many of you have heard Around this idea of forgiveness But I want you to listen carefully In verse 24 How much money did it say That the servant owed the king What did you see in verse 24 Somebody tell me when you see it If you have your bible out Verse 24 How much did the servant owe the king 10,000 talents Anybody know what that is in, current, uh, in, our, in, our, in our currency today Anybody have any idea How much that would equal out to Hundreds of billions of dollars, if not hundreds of trillions of dollars. This is an enormous amount of debt. And what does the king do? He absorbs the debt. Guys, listen, that's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not just saying, yeah, I forgive you, now pay it all back. Listen, forgiveness is paying the debt rather than making the perpetrator pay for it. It's saying, yes, you've sinned against me. Yes, you owe me. You took something that belongs to me. But because the debt doesn't just vanish, and because I forgive you, I am going to pay it back. I'm going to absorb it on your behalf. Guys, that's scandalous. Think about this. For some of you, you've accrued a lot of debt in your life, whether that's cell phone or credit card or student loan debt. When my wife and I got married, she had $28,000 in student loan debt. Fortunately, we just had a chance to pay that back this past year. And, and, and I remember, though, going out to the, uh, the mailbox, and then we would get this little envelope from Mojila, which is where our loan was through. And I knew when I opened it up, what was it going to say? It was going to say, this is your balance, and this is how much you owe, and if you don't pay it by this time, there's going to be a penalty. Now, what some of us want to do when we see these bills is just like throw it in the trash and be like, maybe if I just don't think about it, like it'll go away, right? If you're doing that, you need to stop doing that because it's not going to go away. It's not going to just vanish. But can you imagine how awesome would it be if you went out to the mail and you got that envelope and you saw on there when you opened it up that it said paid in full? How awesome would it be if it said this company has absorbed all of your debt? You're forgiven. Have a great day. Would that not be absolutely amazing? But listen, guys, that pales in comparison to what this king did. Literally, the servant owed him hundreds of billions of dollars, and the king said, I am going to absorb it all. Guys, that's what forgiveness looks like. The reality is, when people sin against you, they accrue a debt. And I'm not just talking about financially. Anytime somebody wrongs you or sins against you, they take something that belongs to you. Maybe it's a relationship Maybe they cost you an opportunity. Maybe they cost you a reputation. When someone sins against you, they take something from you that belongs to you. They wrong you, and you feel that loss. And in that moment, you have one of two choices, Jesus says. You can either look and say, you know what? You've got to cover the cost. You gossiped about me, I'm going to gossip about you. You wronged me, I'm going to wrong you. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. You made me suffer, I'm going to make you suffer. Or, Jesus says, you can choose to forgive. You can absorb the debt that they've accrued against you. You can say, despite the fact that you have taken something that belongs to me, rather than me making you pay for that thing, I'm going to suffer the loss. I'm going to absorb the cost. That's what it means to forgive. And then, not only do you absorb the debt, but it gets even more scandalous because Jesus says in the parable that you learn to let them go. You let them go. In verse 27, it says, the, uh, the master had pity on him. And the master, the servant, did what? He released him, and then he forgave him of the debt. Again, To forgive somebody is not to say there is going to be no consequences. There is going to be no discipline. But if you truly want to forgive someone in your heart, you have to let them go. You cannot keep them on the hook. You cannot hold their sin over them any longer and remind them of it over and over and over. You cannot let your relationship be defined by this thing. To let someone go is to say, you know what, yes, I acknowledge you've hurt me, I've acknowledged you've sinned against me, but I'm no longer going to hold you to that. That's what it means to forgive. And when you begin to do that, when in your heart you can set them free, as a result, you will be able to set yourself free. On October 2006, Charles Roberts entered a one-room Amish school in Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania with an armed gun. And if you remember the story, this 32-year-old man opened fire on 25 horrified children. He killed five of them. He obviously emotionally scarred many of them. And then at the end of it, he turned the gun on himself and he took his own life. After the parents of these Amish kids buried their children, do you know what they did? They did. They went to this man's funeral. And at the funeral, they went up to this man's widow and his children. And they said, we love you. We're praying for you. and We've established a fund to raise money to help support your family through this hard time. Whenever they were approached about this, and they said, why in the world would y'all do this? Their response was this. We're only doing what Christ has done for us. Within a week of the murders, the story of the Amish community's response was more prevalent than the incident itself. How awesome is that? The term Amish forgiveness was the central theme in more than 2,400 uh, uh, 2, reports around the world. The Washington Post, the New York Times, the USA Today, Larry King, Oprah, and dozens of other media outlets were astounded by the outrageous acts of forgiveness shown by the Amish community. You want to know why the rumors of God are staying rumors for some of you? You want to know why the rumors of freedom are remaining rumors? You want to know why some of you are so apathetic in your faith right now? Why you feel almost even spiritually dead? Why you have a hard heart? I'll tell you why. Because for some of you, you are refusing to reciprocate what Christ has done for you in the lives of others. How can you seriously sit here and say that you're forgiven by God and not forgive others? And do it with a straight face. What God has done in you, He wants to do through you. And if not, you will shrivel up. If you have been forgiven, you have no choice but to forgive. You must show compassion on those who have sinned against you Stop looking at them as just idiotic morons Who are doing stuff you would never do And realize by the grace of God You would be right there with them Have compassion on sinners Not saying excuse it Not saying there's no consequences But have compassion pity them. Put yourself in their place for one minute Absorb the debt when they sin against you They don't have to pay you back Jesus didn't make you pay back and then learn to let them go. Pretty easy stuff, right? God bless. Y'all have a great day. <laughs> How in the world are we going to do this? Some of you are right in the middle of this. You, some of you, you will be soon. And it's going to hurt like hell. How are we going to forgive? How are we going to be like the king in this story who absorbs such a debt? Here's the answer. The only way you can forgive like this king is to know you've been forgiven by the king. The truth is, the Bible says every single person in here has accrued an outstanding debt, a sin debt against the creator of the universe. And you know what? It's so large, there's not one single one of us in here, even if we put all of our good works together, that could pay one person into heaven. We have accrued an outstanding sin debt against God, and we can never pay it back. But here's the good news of the gospel. We don't have to. The good news of the gospel is that King Jesus came, and he lived a perfect, sinless life on our behalf. He then went to the cross and he paid the penalty of death for us for sin against God. And then he didn't just stay dead. The Bible says three days later he rose from the dead. The check cleared. Jesus has paid our debt so that now all we have to do is just say, man, I believe it. I believe it you are where my hope is and you are all that I have and when that happens You can no matter who you are or what you have done stand before god holy and blameless and accepted and freed Paul says in ephesians 4 32 in light of this christian be kind to one another This world would be a lot better place. We just be kind to one be kind to one another tender hearted That means have compassion and look this is a command. This is a command christian Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Maybe for some of you this morning, you're having a hard time forgiving others. And you know why? Because you're having a really hard time feeling forgiven. For some of you, you're not forgiving because you don't feel forgiven. You're actually, you're like this legalistic religious servant In this story and I say legalistic and religious because whenever the the master came to him and said you've accrued a debt against the king What does the servant say? He doesn't say have mercy on me. What does he say? Have patience with me. I'll pay it back That's ludicrous. He cannot pay that back Do you realize that's what some of you are doing this morning God just have patience with me. I'll pay you back. I promise I know, God, I don't have my life together. Yeah, sure, there was 2004. But other than that, I mean, I've been a pretty good dude. I think the good outweighs the bad. Like, yeah, God, like I, just hang with me and I'll earn forgiveness. You can't earn forgiveness. You can't. Do you understand what the Bible says? If we get what we deserve, you know what we get even on our best day? We get hell. Every one of us. And I'm right in the front of the line. We cannot earn forgiveness forgiveness. Therefore, today, if you want to taste forgiveness, you know what you just need to do? You need to realize that you are worse than you ever imagined. You need to cry out to God, God, have mercy on my soul. And because God is compassionate, he's abounding in love and grace. He is slow to anger. Guess what? Because of Jesus, you will be forgiven. You will taste that forgiveness. And only whenever you really, truly receive it, can you then begin to forgive the worst of sinners. Because you, of the worst of sinners was forgiven Only whenever you realize What Christ has done for you Can you identify Can you show compassion on sinners Can you absorb their debt And let them go Guys this is the key today There is no other key how, can, how in the world can you identify With another sinner How can you show compassion On another sinner who's wronged you You know how Because that's what Jesus did for you Jesus showed compassion on you But while you were still in sin Christ came and died for you He looked and saw what you did. He identified with you so much. He was the only perfect being to ever walk on this earth. And you know what 2 Corinthians 5 said he did? He became your sin. He identified with you. He had compassion on you. And he still does if you're sitting here in your sin today. How in the world can you absorb the debt that somebody else has accrued against you? Because Jesus absorbed your debt. The wages of sin is death. Jesus died that for you. How in the world can you let others go when they've sinned against you? Because that's what Jesus has done for you. Do you understand the day where you sit right now? The Bible says no matter who you are or what you've done, there is therefore now no condemnation. Isn't that great news?